We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. In my opinion, one of the key attributes to great leaders, leaders develop other leaders. Of all the great leaders that I've aspired to be more like, I watch them and they're less, like really good at empowering and equipping other leaders. Welcome to the conversation, everyone. We're going to dive into a whole bunch of really cool things today. We're going to touch on culture. We're going to touch on experience. We're going to touch on leadership. And with those many subjects, i got to have a pretty good guess to talk about that. I'm going to call you Dr. Bertel now, and you're going to tell me. And I'm going to tell you to save some syllables and call me John. All right. Okay? I'm with John Bertel. And John, let's just let's kick this conversation off first. Just tell us about you. I'm a small town kid. I grew up in a town of 500 people, Hills, Minnesota. And I think I always find that small town kids always need to say that they're small town kids because we're so proud of it. And I just love the community that I came from. Bounced around for my training. I went to Augustana like most of my family for college. Then I taught high school for a year. I was a high school math teacher and I was a coach for a year back at Hills Beaver Creek. Then I went to Mayo Clinic for my medical school, internship Mayo Scottsdale. Duke for my residency and then a fellowship up in Minneapolis. And to be able to come back and be able to take care of the community that raised me and have them put their trust in me after they poured so much into me. So I was a physics major, wanted to be an engineer, decided I wanted to work with people more. I was gonna be an optometrist. My family optometrist said, hey, you should be an ophthalmologist. So I was accepted to optometry school. I took a year off while applying to medical school. During that time, I was working a mindless job in a veterinary pharmaceutical company and my high school superintendent called me up and said, hey, we need a math teacher. I had never done the student teaching, never nothing. And I said, we'll give you a community expert designation and I loved it. But I needed to do something easier than be a teacher, so I became an eye surgeon. <laughs> okay, so good segue. So what's the word doctor mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Teach. Yeah, right. So you so you didn't know. Uh, you're right. You did not know that you were well, getting and, and I really teach. will say that, that I am a teacher. Like if you talked yeah. about my most satisfying thing that I get to do professionally, and I get to do a lot of satisfying things professionally, consulting, inventing, entrepreneurship, putting your hands in people's eyeballs. But my single favorite thing is teaching our fellow. And we get one fellow every year. They're at the peak of their game. They're one of the top in the entire country. And they're there for that one year to learn from you and them putting that much trust in me. That's my favorite thing of anything that I get so to do professionally. Why do you think that is? I think it is because I love to teach. I'm, I'm curious by nature. And so, so that's, that's a nature part of me, but I love helping bring out more in people than they knew they had. So we're going to go backwards on how I introduced you. Okay. Because you just brought up, in my opinion, one of the key attributes to great leaders. Leaders develop other leaders. Of all the great leaders that I've aspired to be more like, I watch them and they're less, like really good at empowering and equipping other leaders. So when you tell me you love Oh, I love it. That part of it. I love that's it. That's a great sign of great leadership. So my fellow from a couple of years ago gave me a little Gandhi quote that says that a leader is not measured by how many followers they have, but how many leaders they create. And, and I think that that's kind of, that's really true. It's multi-level marketing for good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is for what good. it is. For good. You're for good. <laughs> and, and you get somebody that can draw out more. And I look at the people that poured into me when there was no really good reason to and help get more out of me than I thought I had. 
forever grateful to those folks. Okay, so talk about some of those folks. Who's been instrumental in your life? Oh boy. Well, I've got I've got five heroes in ophthalmology, and I could share share the names of those. But probably the biggest one is my grandma. Anne Loken was her name. My daughter's named after her, and she was uh, she just had the right balance. She was tough and kind. She was wise and emotive. And she passed away last year at the age of 97. She took my brother and I in for a year when we were in first grade, when our, our folks had to make a tough decision on trying to figure out some health-related things. And, and so my grandma, at age 55, is a full-time nurse, takes on a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And by the way, her husband, who was brilliant, had had a stroke you know, 15 years earlier, and she was caring for him too. And never once did I feel anything other than, than loved by her and brought out the best. Now, let me give you an example of my grandma. We're sitting at church, and I'm looking for her to butter my bread a little bit. And I should have known better, because she's not a bread butterer. <laughs> and I tell her, Grandma, you know, I'm just so grateful that I get to be here and our practice is so going so well. And I'm so grateful for all the great training I've gotten. I'm grateful that, you know, I think I figured out what glaucoma is and that I invented a technology that might help people get to Mars and cure glaucoma. And I'm just, just you know, kind of sit back and wait for her to tell me how proud she is of me. And she says to me, John, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. So what'd that do to you? It, it just cut me off right at the knees, just the way I needed to be cut off at the knees. And, you know, you're, I'm faking this humility. I just want to be told I'm awesome. Yeah. And, and she's right. Yeah. If you don't care if you get the credit, you can accomplish almost anything because you bring people along. You teach them. You help them accomplish great things. So here's what I hear, two attributes. Number one is leaders develop other leaders. For sure. Okay. Number two is, I'm gonna use a different term, I've never used this before, intentional and authentic humility. It produces great things too, right? If you're intentional about it. And those of us that you know, are, are out there trying to do something, sometimes it takes, it takes an unreasonable self-assurance to try to climb some of the mountains that we try to climb sometimes. But what the trap there, of course, is that you think that you're climbing it or that you're climbing it by yourself. And, you know, whether the faith is a part of that, all the yeah. people that are a part of that, it's never anybody mm -hmm. on their own. And, and mm -hmm. how many, you know, I've never thought of this either, but how many other people are saying, I just want to accomplish something and they'll let you or me get oh, the credit yeah. for it. Yeah. I guess I don't know if I've ever even put that lens on before. Yeah, a buddy of mine, he's brilliant at it, and I've watched him how he's create this amazing business. And he's always said, Nathan, make it somebody else's idea. Yeah. Pull it out of them. That's hard to do, though. Yeah. So you said a word, though, two words, unreasonable self-assurance. Mm -hmm. Pull that apart a little bit more. Well, I've tried to do some things, and some of them have worked, and some of them haven't. And if I knew how high the mountain was to climb... At the beginning, I maybe wouldn't have done that. And if I didn't like have this unreasonable belief that every problem is solvable, and probably that I can help solve it, then I think that you just can get stopped and stuck. And so you can't chart a path with every obstacle figured out until checkmate, you win. You just have to start down the path and believe that when the obstacle shows up, 
you're going to have the team or the wherewithal or the grit to solve it and get through that problem. Okay, so that you're giving them some great attributes. So what are some other great attributes? So unreasonable self-assurance. I've never heard that, but I love that. So you got humility. Leaders develop other leaders. Unreasonable self-assurance. Yeah. Walt Disney would describe that this way. Sometimes you just got to jump off a cliff and grow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, learning by doing and, and actually doing, not just talking about yeah. doing. <laughs> Mother Teresa has a great quote that I love that I think also applies to leadership is that I hope it becomes as fashionable to help the poor as it is to talk about it. Oh, that's so good. And I think that that's true of our teams. Yeah. It's true in our families and our marriage and our faith yeah. and all of those kind of things is that, that you know, the doers do it. Yeah. And, and to be out there actually doing the work, not mm -hmm. just talking about it. Maybe that's an ironic thing to do on a podcast because we're, we're just talking, we're about, just it. talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so what other attributes are important to you? Like important to you that you're trying to aspire well, I know, to be more I as know a better the, leader or yeah, that I, you've observed? I know what drives me in my core for sure and that's delivering on the trust that people put in me. And you know, a lot of times when we're hiring people, they say, what's the favorite part of your job? And I usually start with, I love Mondays. I, I, I do, I can't wait to come in and see the team and see patients and do it. Now I love Sundays and I love Saturdays. I love my family, I love my wife, I love all of it. But I do, I do love Mondays. The other thing is, is that I do believe that I'm worthy of that trust. And that's the second thing I usually say, is that I, I believe I'm worthy of the trust that our team, that our patients put in us, because we'll do the work. We actually care. We actually really do care about our team and our patients. And, and it feels good to feel grateful for being worthy of the trust that, that people put in us. And when I fail, which I do sometimes, yeah. that's really achy. So have you always felt worthy? You get a little raw with you. Uh, no, I haven't always felt worthy and I still occasionally don't. Superimposed upon a general feeling of worthiness is moments, crises in confidence. So I'll share a few of them. If I get mad about something stupid, <laughs> you know, just whether that's personal or, or business. I had a company that we started that same one that I was begging my grandma for the compliment on that yeah. failed. And we lost a lot of money and a lot of jobs and it, and it really made me wonder if I had it or not. I still wonder sometimes. Whenever I've used my position of authority or my position of power for my own benefit at the expense of someone else's, then I've, I would go home and feel unworthy. But, but I think that for the most part, and going back to my grandma, I think that she, she helped me feel worthy, both by being loved, but also, you know, pushing you to do harder things. The reason I ask that question, I, there's many times that I'll feel that same, ugh, mm -hmm. I can do better. Mm -hmm. So how do you course correct it? Because we're going to mess up, right? And what I'm hearing is, as leaders and having unreasonable self-assurance, we're going to run ourselves into the obstacles. We're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to adapt. Or like, why did I do that? But what keeps us going forward? And how do you pivot when, when we've made some of those mistakes? I think there's a couple of things that help me anyway. One is, is just being introspective by nature. I'm, I'm curious about the world and have and wonder about things, but I do the same thing about my myself and people. And then I've got a handful of people that I'll seek out and I try to lay out the situation really earnestly and say, okay, where did I go wrong? Or here's how I see that I went wrong and help me out there. But that still requires you to recognize it. And thankfully I've got a couple people in my life, my wife, my son, 
that will say, you're out of line here, Dad. My, my son and I went golfing. And he's like, Dad, you're always telling me to bring positive energy. And the first two holes, you're like, just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, so we don't have to make the people behind us wait. And all you were doing was sucking energy out of yeah. the system, Dad. Yeah. And, and he stopped me in my tracks, and he was right. Yep. And so, so having those unsolicited people that'll... And our kids are good you. at that, and our wives are good at that. They, they're naturals. Yeah. <laughs> At least much. <laughs> so, you know, there's something you said there, and I think that I don't want you to, to, to miss this as you listen. Because I think good leaders do take the time to be reflective and be introspective. And it reminds me, you know, Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. He was talking about Rockefeller, and they would say he was so weird because he would sit in these meetings, and he wouldn't say a word. And then soon, somebody asked him one time, he goes, why do you sit there and not say anything? And he says, I learned a long time ago that my job is to think and make decisions. That's how I can add the most value to this organization. And that, that stuck with me. Because I just don't think that we do enough thinking. We do a lot of doing yeah. versus being. Yeah. Taking that time to be introspective, but then having the people in our lives that can wash our blind sides. Yeah. So going back to the fellowship and one of my favorite things, day one of the fellowship, we talk about becoming a better thinker. And not just becoming a better thinker when it's calm around you and you've got a little, you know, waterfall that you're sitting next to, but being able to think in the moment when you've got your hands in an eyeball and things are getting dicey or you're in a meeting and it's go time and you got to make a decision or you're in an argument with somebody. Can you... Can you think, can you remove yourself from the chaos and the noise and think through the problem well and get through that fog of war to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish and do it for the good, not just to win, not just to pin somebody, right? but to do it for the good. Okay, there's a whole bunch there to unpack on leadership. Thank you for that. So we got, I want to get into culture and experience. Sure. Okay, so I think a good transition is let's talk about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have developed an organization that I've watched from You've afar. You've helped. You've helped. Well, thank you for that. I'm a patient. Mm-hmm. I don't wear glasses anymore, and I love it. I love it, even though I miss my glasses. I'm a my, patient, too. Vanity. <laughs> so I had an attorney come in, and he said, I want to have LASIK so that I can wear blank glasses so that when I have my moments of righteous indignation, I can throw them across the table in the courtroom but still see how everybody reacts. You know what? I love it. I love it. So okay. it's okay. You're not alone. Yeah. But here's, here's what I've watched. I've just watched the, the what you guys have done on how you take care of your team, just being a patient and watching how you take care of patients. That culture you've developed has been phenomenal. Talk about culture, because I think it's it's a term that gets misrepresented as become... Buzzword, yeah, yeah, buzzword, buzzword yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, when I think about culture, I, I think that it's really about everybody knowing that they're on the same team and they got each other's back. So a lot of times when we're interviewing new staff or when we bring people on and we're, you know embedding them into our culture we talk about yeah okay so we've got a good reputation and yeah there's people that fly in from wherever to have surgery or see how we do things and and stuff like that and you'll walk around you'll have a little swagger because of that you'll drive by the building and you'll you'll be proud to work there but that's not what is going to make you uh, really love this place it's the it's the eight people that are on your team and that it and and people don't fight wars 
because Putin's a bad guy or Kim Jong-un's a bad guy. They fight him for the people they're in the trenches with. And it's not because you know they'll have your back. They will. It's not because that when you need to get to your kid's game, they will. You do it because you love them. You, you don't take care of your kid or your spouse because they're going to do it back to you. You do it because they actually care about each other. And they want them to be able to be at their kid's game. And then another thing that we talk about is bringing more energy than you take. The only way that you can leave energized from work is if more people are bringing more energy than they take out of the system. And so we try to be purposeful about that. And then, but you have to go from thinking it to talking about it to actually doing it. And, and I think we do pretty good. We, we screw up plenty, but we do pretty good about that. And I'll just give one example, and that's we've got free vending machines. And they got good stuff in them. We got kombucha and we got protein bars and all the same, whatever. And there's not a sign on it that says only one per day. And there's not a sign that says, don't abuse this or it'll get taken away. And the lack of that sign means that we trust you. And, and that you're, and we care about you, but we trust you too. And, and I think that it's a conglomeration of those little things. And, and Dave Kapeska actually taught me this. He said, trust is built in short, frequent interactions. And so if you're just talking about a problem all the time with your leadership team or whoever when there's a problem, and you don't have that trust that's been built on interacting regularly, it, it, it's going to be a road to a culture. So, so what happens when you're interviewing mm -hmm. or selecting people to join the team? What are some of the attributes that you know, hey, this is going to make an ideal team member? Positivity mm -hmm. is one of them. You know, just a, a belief that, that I can make change and, and bring good energy. I, I really want authenticity. My questions are almost never related to what skills you have, and they're almost always related to, you know, what are you proud of? What are you not proud of? Which of these core values that we have resonate with you? Which ones don't? I'm giving away all my interview questions here for people who right, are right. taking a <laughs> job. And, and what I'm really looking for is, you, are you real? Mm -hmm. And are you good? And are you a person that the rest of the team's gonna wanna be around? Because how I view adding team members is that, let's say, let's just say our culture's a nine out of 10 or that team's a nine out of 10. Well, if we get it, if we hire somebody that's a three, that's pretty detrimental, but it's pretty hard to increase the average of the group by hiring a nine and a half. But if you're not hiring people that are at the average or better, you're only getting worse. And so we work really hard to try and find people that we believe that are, you know, at the average of the group they're joining are better because otherwise we're going in the wrong direction and then you have the problems of scale and bureaucracy and all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that pops in. Well, I've heard it said by many members of your team that we hire by our values, we fire by our values. It's true. So just talk about the values for a moment. Yeah, we have five. And, what, and why they're so important. Yeah, so caring, committed, egalitarian, excellent, and fun. Caring, committed, egalitarian, excellent, and fun. Okay, I gotta pause you right there. So, for you listening right now and you can't see him, there was no script to name the values. It wasn't something that just hangs on a wall or is on a t shirt or a hat. So, what you just did right there warms my heart. Yeah. You went bam, 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 bam. It's who you are. Yeah. And I think that's important for organizations. Not only is it important, it's erosive if you don't. Totally. Because then it gets used as a tool or a weapon to point out other people's flaws. 100%. 
and and then I'll get a little philosophical slash faith-based for a second, but it's kind of how I feel about the Bible too. It's not intended to be used to tell other people how to live their lives. <laughs> it's intended to inform me how to live mine and not say, you know, Nate, look, right here, committed. Excellent. See what Jesus said. You should, yeah. you should me, right, me first. <laughs> yeah, I love okay? it. Okay, so, so that's how I feel about yeah. the values too. It's gotta be me first. Yeah. And then when we talk about our, our values, you know, maybe my, my favorite one is egalitarian. And the 25 cent word for basically we're all cre- we're all humans created equal by God. We have different roles in the organization, but no one human is more important than another human. And so we don't have doctor parking places. We don't uh, we don't have enough parking places. So we have a bus going back and forth right now, and we go and park in the parking it's lot and hit the hit it's the bus. It is it is. Yeah, I'll take that one. And so. All of those values, they, they matter. Life's too short not to be fun. We're committed in every one of those. It's not just committed to doing the work for our patients, it's committed to doing the work for each other. My grandma was the first one that said this to me. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so we do have to actually care. And, and then excellence is, it's, it's a standard that we hold ourselves to, and we're not gonna cut corners. You've mentioned a few times, and so let's get philosophical. Yeah, good, giddy up. So, faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is obviously important to you. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite book in the Bible? <sighs> Probably, well, it's hard not to go with John, but <laughs> but I think it's probably Romans. Okay, why? I think it helps us define who we are. That, you know, if, if I was to, my, my biggest vice for sure is pride, no doubt about it. That, that's kind of uh, the other side of the coin of an unreasonable self-assurance mm-hmm. and uh, the negative side. And it reminds us that Okay, what, when, when we compare, the only thing that's worse than us thinking that we're worse than somebody else is to think we're better than somebody else. And so there's just comparison is this big joy thief. So if we're trying to accomplish something good or meaningful and we're looking next to, and somebody's jumping a foot and you're jumping a foot and a half, but you're trying to jump to the moon, what are we even doing <laughs> comparing ourselves? Yeah, so that's my, my thing. I don't know that I've ever been asked that question. How do you use faith? to help day to day? I used to talk about my faith a lot more. I feel like I'm usually just doing what I'm called to do more and probably mm-hmm. talk about it less. But I think that it's the, I think that it's the guide. I think that it's the, when I'm saying that what drives me is that people put their trust in me mm-hmm. and I want to deliver on that trust, that's, a very, that's very deeply rooted in just trying to do the right thing because that's what we're called to do. And so it's, it's, it permeates. In that it's the foundation. Way. It's just the foundation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, let's transition for a moment to experiences. Mm-hmm. And I love watching organizations that do it really well. I don't care if they're selling cars, if they're selling furniture, or if they're the eye surgeon. The companies that are still executing at the highest level and are still relevant within their space, and they, because and, I would contend this, I don't think people judge us from their last best eye surgeon mm-hmm. experience. It's from their last best experience, mm-hmm. no matter what that industry Agreed. is. You guys have taken such a strong approach of, we're going to differentiate ourselves on experiences. Yeah. So talk about that for me. So I have to rewind the clock then. So uh, Matt Jensen, wonderful human, wonderful friend of mine. I know a friend of yours. He and I went to college together. He started... That's re- a whole other podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, one, that one will get more listeners, I bet. <laughs> 
So anyway, I was doing my residency and I got an, uh, a little award and that award got me a picture in one of our trade journals and then Matt was paging through the trade journals and spits his coffee over because he sees me and Vance was actually a spiritual mentor or my grandma was actually a spiritual mentor for Vance and Jana. Really? They went to the same church, so very connected. And, and so Vance and Matt started uh, recruiting me. And shortly after I joined, because these guys were, I, I just learned from them. Maybe executed on it a little bit or bought in, but I wasn't the creator of any of that. And uh, Vance said, hey, John, we put our team first and our patients second. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No way. And just like my wife, it only took me three or four years to realize he was right. And when I say that, that's not that the, the patients really are, are a second. I mean, it, it's really imperceptible. What it means is you can't do it alone. And that if the team feels well cared for, the patient will feel even more well cared for. And, you know, in healthcare, the bar is so low for experience. Turn off your cell phone. Your copays due before. <laughs> You come in, you, you know, the curled up coffee wrinkled things, magazines, magazines, receptionists that are trying to answer phones yeah. and how can they be happy when all they do all day long is say, you wait, no, you wait. Right. We, we put them in untenable positions. And anyway, he said the team comes first. And that's why Mondays are so great because people are excited to come there. And then you enable the team to do special things for the patients. And, and then it becomes an ecosystem, and then that becomes a culture. And I'll just give one story from this summer. Had a nice little old lady, I don't know, 66 years old or so, coming in for a cataract. She's got pretty good cataracts. And I say, what can't you do that you wish you could do? She's like, I can't see the score on the bottom of Twins games anymore, and I love the Twins. And I say, oh, how many games have you been to? She's like, I hardly ever miss a game on TV, but I've never been to a game. So we walk out of the room, and what does my scribe say to me? We're getting her twins tickets, aren't we? Oh, I love it. Right? And, and, but, but what I love about that is she said it. Yeah. I was already thinking yeah. it, mm -hmm. yeah. but she said it, and she was going to do it without mm -hmm. asking or anything. And so we get her scheduled for her surgery. We do her second eye. We give her the tickets to go with a friend. She doesn't know what to do with yeah. that. She calls back and gets a bunch of the phone team on the, on the phone and says how she hasn't felt cared for that way in a long, long time and how she doesn't know if any business has ever done anything like that for her. So now, so, so when you see that ecosystem, it's a patient in a moment, our team member, our ASC gets to give her the tickets and celebrate, the phone team benefits from it, and it just perpetuates itself. So you, you used a word there, I think, which was moments and experiential moments. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do that for anybody. But in those moments, you can create the stories and the words that they never forget. And so some of it's going to be just, hey, it's Tuesday. Your eyes are important. We're going to do a great job for you. You do a great job. But every once in a while, you can capture that moment that you, the team, the patient can rally around and be on the lookout for them. They're really, really, really special. You guys do it so well. And so that, that story always motivates me. But, but what you talked about, and I know you guys are big experience economy. Yeah, that, that was for so sure. It's really about the five components, right? 
time. It's not what we do, but how we do it. Only and exactly surprise and all for one. Mm -hmm. What you guys, what you heard him talk about there is that you had your ears on like they talk about at Disney. And you've empowered a team. Who doesn't want to work for a guy or an organization that allows me to do that? Yeah. Well, and yeah, right. And so I'll give you another example. Our team can do anything for any patient or any team member up to 100 bucks. Don't have to ask anybody. All that, that's, that's another example of trust. You know, kind of like the vending machine. You know, just, just go out and do good and do the right things for people. And, you know, sometimes I wish they'd tell me about him even a little more because I'm in high V and somebody comes up and says, that's right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so I, I, and guys, as you're listening to this right now, here's what some of you are thinking. Well, I don't know how I'm going to operationalize that in my organization. Mm -hmm. Here's what I, I've always curious when I talk to business owners. We'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars on advertising and this or that. Now, how much do a pair of twin tickets cost? Kyle, I bet we got them for 30 bucks a piece, 60 bucks. And it's not even about the tickets. The fact that you listen and she got those tickets. That's right. I mean, stuff like that goes so far. I think this story is true. It happened before my time. You maybe have heard it before, but when Matt and Vance got really excited about the experience economy, Matt was trying to get buy-in with the team. And that's hard, right? You know, you get a leader or somebody that has buy-in, but your, your culture is one thing and you're trying to change that in the right direction. And so he had kind of bumped his head against the wall a little bit. And so one day it was raining and the team parks across the parking lot. and. He sits there with a pair of binoculars and sees when the team comes in. And then he runs out there with an umbrella in front of them. They come into the building underneath the umbrella and they're so grateful for it. And then or he paused clinic and says, how did that make you feel? Will you remember that? How do you feel about, you know, do I care about you? That's what we're trying to create for our patients. I don't think that the leader can just say it. They've got to find a way, if they're trying to with their team, connect on it and make it emotional for them. I think that that's what started the snowball rolling down the hill for our practice. So many great things there. So, okay, a lot of stuff to pull apart. So we've talked about leadership, experiences, and culture. So we're going to dock the boat here. Okay. As your, everything we just got done talking about, if you're an individual aspiring to be a better leader. Mm-hmm. If you're a team member or you're somebody who's running an organization that wants to be a better leader or who wants to dif differentiate themselves on experiences, what are some practical things you would recommend to give those people? I think it's a combination of think, think and do. So, you know, a practical thing is read the book. If you're, if you're really looking for, like, an experience thing, yeah. the experience economy and the books that are written by those yeah. guys are great. So that's, that's fabulous. And then... And then do it. Yeah. And do it without expectation of return. Mm -hmm. And so the example of Matt going out with the umbrella or the gal getting the twins tickets, go out and do it and, and let somebody else experience the joy. This is another just example of it's amazing what you can accomplish when someone else gets the credit. Yeah. The, the phone team got a bunch of credit for my scribe giving those tickets. And so, so that's the all for one piece a little bit. So go out there and do it, and then don't refocus it back on you. Love refocus it on, let the focus be on the, on the team and let them share it. in the spoils. Such great stuff. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a goofy question. Yeah. And this is how we're going to end. Okay. If you could be any animal. Easy. The whole wild. <laughs> okay, I didn't even... Eagle. Okay, why? I used to have these dreams about flying. I haven't had one in 25 years. And they always started off the same way. I was in Garrettson, South Dakota to street dance. I bet those street dances. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> they were great. And I started running up the street. And you could feel the air underneath your hands. And then you take off and soar. That's the animal that I would want to be. Just because you get up, you get outside of yourself. You have a perspective, a bigger picture. And, that, and just that unbridled freedom to go wherever you could go. How, but I want to know, how about you? Buffalo. And? Being from South Dakota, you're a South Dakota boy. Well, no, you're a Minnesota boy, but right. close enough. We'll call yeah, you South Dakota boy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tell the story a lot. And if you're around me, everything, I got buffalo around me. All. Yeah, yeah. But I, when, when the storms come in on the prairie, the cattle will turn and run from the storm. And the storm always gets them. The buffalo... Turns into it. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good metaphor for life. Yeah, I agree. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com.